You're listening to Review and Preview on Facebook Live. Well, hello, everybody. Good evening. Welcome to Review and Preview. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside Kyle Russo, James Montefusco. Fellas, uh, it is a winter wonderland up here in the Northeast New York City metropolitan Long Island area. Hope you're both staying safe out there. And thank you for joining me tonight. Absolutely, Tom. Happy to be here. Looking forward to it. James, uh, I see you're representing LIU. So, uh, Congratulations yep. on that uh, nice little sweatshirt you got there, uh, representing the colors outside on the street. Um, now, I got to tell you, folks, you're in store for a great treat tonight. We're going to feature our quarterback carousel segment, so we're going to be going through nearly half the league and predicting where a lot of these quarterbacks might be landing and ending up. But before we get there, make sure to give us a follow on Facebook and all our social media platforms, as you can see, scrolling underneath us on our ticker and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Review and Preview Sports for all exclusive content, NFL-based content, NBA stuff, baseball, hockey, you name it. We got it for you. So uh, make sure to go check us out and smash the like button and subscribe. So uh, one other thing I do want to plug is that we are having a Super Bowl pregame special on Sunday at 10 a.m. Eastern time. Just want to show everybody there. Uh, there is our graphic, so make sure to join us for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. It'll be the three of us, uh, Gabe Fleeton and Paul Lombardi, on the show, so that should be excellent. Definitely looking forward to uh, having you guys. Diff- We've never done a show on a Sunday. No. So, yeah. <laughs> no, this will be the uh, first ever Super Bowl show, too, so it'll be fun. Yeah. Get your morning coffee, folks. Join us. Yeah, 10 a.m. Eastern, so make sure to um, – Catch us then. It'll be a lot of fun. And, uh, yes, we're going to go over our quarterback carousel segment tonight, uh, talk about the NFL head coaching updates, obviously Dave Culley getting hired, talk about the Brooklyn Nets, the Knicks, the Rangers, Islanders, and then the New York Mets. But uh, first off, I I just want to say what a trade on Saturday night. Guys, I was driving home from uh, Rockland County and a notification popped up on my phone as I was driving home. I had the GPS in and I thought it was, it said the bears on there, but then I called Kyle because I knew James, you were working at Tillis. So I called Kyle and Kyle's like, yeah, Matthew Stafford just got traded to the LA, to the LA Rams and Jared Goff went to uh, Detroit. How insane is that? Matthew Stafford is a Los Angeles Ram. I'm still trying to process uh, pro- process that he's been a lion since 2009 it's been over a decade 32 year old quarterback changing teams 
Yeah, no, it's 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 a great trade for him, and I think it's a great trade for uh, Detroit as well because not only do they get a starter now in Jared Goff, who has you know accomplished some things in this league. He's been to a Super Bowl. Uh, you know, we'll see what he's capable of doing under Dan Campbell and a new head coaching staff as well. But now they also got a boatload of picks because in that Rams trade, they basically had to say, okay, Detroit, eat the cap of Jared Goff, and then we're going to give you two more first-round picks. And I think that's why the trade went down. Because Matt Stafford, originally people were saying it only required maybe one high first-round pick. The Rams basically had to buy Detroit into paying for Jared Goff in that trade. Matthew Stafford, man, on that team, you know, uh, I, I think we go back to that Super Bowl. I think Jared Goff was that X factor and didn't pull through. But now with Matthew Stafford, I said it last week, I think, Matthew Stafford, I think, is one of the most underrated players in football because of the team that he's on because they don't give him uh, a plethora of array of weapons. But now he's got – he's in L.A. now with the number one defense in football. Sean McVay is an offensive genius. Look out for the Rams next season. James, what do you think of this trade? This trade just caught me by surprise. I mean, I was not expecting this to happen. I thought Jared Goff was their franchise quarterback. The Rams were going to ride into his late years. Um, To see this being changed, I mean, right before our uh, carousel, um, right before we hopped on the carousel, which I was like, oh, man, you know, this is going to wait to after. Um, Just to kind of see where we thought them two would have winded up. I think it's – Great in a way for Matt Staff, uh, for Stafford, only because he gets to play with actual weapons. He gets to play with a head coach that loves his team. He gets to play with a phenomenal defense. We saw what the Rams did this year. I expect them to go even further next year or this upcoming season. Um, Jared Goff, well, um, I'm sorry, but your time in sunny L.A., California, wherever he lived on the West Coast, um, is now looking doom and gloom um, in not-so-pretty, not-so-warm weather. I'm going to take a little different approach. I think the Lions won this trade. And three years from now, we'll be looking at – I mean, look, you have a new head coach, and obviously Matthew Stafford did not want to be there. And it is a little concerning with Galladay and Jones both being free agents in the offseason, but – you know, you have a tight end in TJ Hawkinson. We know Jared Goff loves to throw to the tight end. And, um, you know, you have to prioritize re-signing Kenny Galladay. If they're able to do that, then at least the offense is somewhat respectable. I think this trade definitely in the short term benefits the Rams. So as far as like a year or two from now, I'd say the Rams definitely have the advantage because Matthew Stafford is definitely an upgrade over Goff. He's proven mm-hmm. that. Um, you know, he could lead the league in passing. He could throw 40 touchdowns a year. That That's not the question. Uh, it's been what's been around him and what's been in front of him with that offensive line. I think, you know, this trade, it was weird because he came out and said that, you know, the Colts would be a potential destination. And he stated he ruled out the New England Patriots. That was the only team he ruled out. It's the only team he told Detroit, hey, don't trade me here. But he got traded to the Rams. It's a huge win for the Rams right now. I think if Detroit is able to put things together collectively, they have a shot at, you know, in a few years down. Because Goff is a young quarterback. It's not like they – it was an excellent return for Matthew Stafford is what I'm trying to say, guys. So maybe the Lions didn't win the trade because, again, you don't know what they're going to do with those draft picks. But 
Uh, it's definitely an excellent return for Detroit. Yep. I think it was the best return possible. And I think that's why they wanted up trading to the Rams. I don't think any other team would have been willing to give them, you know, a starting franchise quarterback and two first round picks. Yeah, no, yeah. it's crazy. Two first round picks. And only if the Sean Watson gets traded, imagine how many uh, first rounders that's going to take if Stafford got two. but yeah. I do want to say folks, if you're watching our live stream right now, make sure to share like comment, uh, share this podcast with your friends and family. Really appreciate it. We're going to be going over our quarterback carousel. Um, and without further ado, why don't we get started? Um, before we move any further, um, let's start with the obvious one. Do we all agree Dak Prescott will be returning to the Cowboys in 2021? Is there any argument against that? No, no. <laughs> the only I, argument is I don't think he deserves all the money, but yeah, I think now more than ever, Jerry Jones will finally pull the trigger on it, especially after having the injury. Uh, they'll yeah. definitely sign him back. I agree. I think he's staying in Dallas. I think they're going to overpay to keep him. But as far as crippling them and their other needs, they have so many needs on defense um, and offensive line. After all, the guys got hurt last year. You don't know how they're going to be coming off of injury. Yeah. So I think Dak does stay in Dallas. I think that's a lot. Uh, Andy, what's up? Andy Hopper saying hello all the way from Champaign, Illinois. Andy, looking forward to joining your Super Bowl pregame show Saturday night on the Brew Party. That's going to be a lot of fun. Make sure to go check out the Brew Party and all their content. And then he asked me, why doesn't he deserve the money? I could tell you why. I'm a Giants fan. I mean, there's there's a lot of things that I'm not going to say because we're live right now, but I'm a Giants fan. The only reason, if Dak wasn't hurt, a little sunny, if Dak wasn't hurt, Dallas would have won the division by Jerry Jones paying him, whatever pretty much they both parties agree on. You might see Dallas win the division next year and possibly the year after that, depending on what the giants do with and Washington, but that's it. So let's go back to our quarterback carousel boys. It's definitely an interesting way to put it. And the team I want to start with now that we got Dallas out of the way is the Indianapolis Colts, because they're a team that, Uh, was the most likely fit for Matthew Stafford on paper, but they were unable to uh, acquire him. Obviously, their quarterback, Phillip Rivers, did retire um, a a couple of weeks ago now after their playoff loss to the Buffalo Bills, and Jacoby Brissett is bound to be a free agent. They already used him one year as a bridge quarterback between Luck and uh, Rivers. Now they're in a situation where the only quarterback on their roster is – second year to be man and Jacob Eason. So who do we think ends up in Indianapolis in the off season? Kyle, I'll start with you. I think it's going to be Carson Wentz. I think it's going to be Carson Wentz. Uh, even rumored today after a new head coach, Carson Wentz is rumored to still not be happy with the Eagles organization. So that only further proves that maybe it ran deeper than the hate relationship that he had with Doug Peterson. Um, I don't know if you could mend that personally, and I know that Carson Wentz, the biggest success that he ever had was under Frank Reich. And that's probably one of the only teams in the NFL that has the cap space to absorb a contract like that, like the Eagles gave him. Uh, I think that he'd want to play for Frank Reich. I think that the Eagles would want to get something back in return. And I think that'd be one of the only teams in the NFL that would be willing to do so based on their uh, salary and payroll right now. So I think that Carson Wentz winds up in Phil- uh, in, in Indianapolis. Not to mention they have the third most salary cap 
they have the third highest. So that's excellent. Only behind, I think, the Jets and the Dolphins, I want to say. So they're up there. Yeah. James, where do you have uh, – I was about to say where do you have Carson. Uh, who do you have the Colts uh, as the Colts quarterback in 2021? Where, uh, the Colts quarterback in 2021 is Andy Dalton. That's a nice take. I actually like he, that. He, uh, he proved himself in a, in a Cowboys jersey. He actually played pretty well. Surprised, if surprised me, probably surprised a lot of other people. Uh, I don't see Brissett starting in the Colts, considering they used him as a carryover and they didn't like what they saw. Uh, so I would say Andy Dalton uh, goes to Indianapolis. I actually love that. You give him receivers, a running back, and a great offensive line. Yeah. Something they've had in Cincinnati. Kind of like what he leaving Dallas, maybe a little bit of an upgrade on that offensive line. Yeah. I actually love that. That's a nice one. That is a nice pick, James. Uh, you know, I was definitely considering Andy Dalton, but I think it's going to be a competition for Indy. Now, yes, they do have uh, the third most cap space, so they can go ahead and say, hey, you know, Carson, we want you. We know you have ties to Frank Reich from your Philadelphia days. However, I think it's going to be a competition between Jacob Eason and a rookie. Uh, I don't think they're in a big – I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of movement is what I'm saying. I think uh, I don't think Carson is going there. I think they might try to draft Kyle Trask out of Florida, or they may potentially trade up. So as of right now, I'm going to go ahead and say that, you know, out of who's on their roster right now, it's going to be Eason. But if they draft Kyle Trask, I think it's going to be him. So I'm going to go way out of left field here and say Kyle Trask will – most likely be the Colts' starting quarterback in 2021. There have been rumors about that, by the way. Just wanted to say. <laughs> good but, uh, it, yeah, we all have three different picks. I like it. Um, yeah. What do you say? We do the Jets next? Sure. Yeah. So the Jets just hired Robert Salah, right? And now they're in a situation where they, they've been rumored to trade for Deshaun Watson. They've been rumored that they may – keep Sam Darnold, or maybe draft the quarterback at number two overall. James, where do you think the Jets go with this here? They have a lot of options. Well, since they have a whole bunch of cap space, they got a new coach that I don't know if anybody saw. At least us New Yorkers saw probably his uh, press conference about firing up his team, firing up his fan base. Um, I think the Jets, honestly, are going to go after Watson. They got the most cap space. They got a second-round pick this season. I don't know what they have the next seasons, I think they go all out and get Watson. And Darnold is uh, chipped somewhere else. Interesting. Okay. Kyle, who do you got? I'm sticking with Sam. I'm sticking with Sam. I think this is going to be, you know, this is going to be a proven year because now he's got a, I think he's got a great head coach. He's all about passion. He's all about getting the best out of his players. And we saw what he did last year with the 49ers and the year before that. I also think Michael Fleur as the offensive coordinator is so underrated. And I think that's going to help Sam tremendously. Um, and depending on what they do with that second overall pick, they also got the 23rd as well. They could upgrade the offense. I think they have like 12 picks this year as well. They got a lot of cap. They could, they could turn it around really quickly. And I think that they're going to choose Sam to be the guy. I agree. I think it's going to be Darnold. Remember, he's coming up on a contract year, and I think if you're the Jets, you want to give him weapons offensively. You saw some chemistry with Denzel Mims and Chris Herndon last year. 
So I think you want to bring in another weapon for Sam Darnold to team up with, try to uh, elevate his play in year number four. So I, I think that's that's right thing Darnold's going to end up. Although I, I, one team I wouldn't be surprised with is Washington. I think the Colts and Washington could be two potential su- uh, suitors for uh, Mr. Darnold, but I, I think I think he's staying in green for at least one more year. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, not a bad start, not a bad start. Let's get into uh, – this is a big one. Um, we might be on this one for a while. The Houston Texans <laughs> fired their GM and head coach, Bill O'Brien. They just hired new GM and Nick Casario and – it's rumored that Deshaun Watson wants off the team. J.J. Watt wants off the team. Uh, they're not headed in the right direction. Uh, Kyle, why don't you take the reins here? And before I get there, it's been rumored that if the Texans were to trade Deshaun Watson, they would want two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and two defensive starters. That's a lot. So – my hot take of the evening to start us off, guys, is I think that the Texans quarterback starting the new year 2021 will be Jimmy Garoppolo. I think Jimmy Garoppolo and what that essentially means, and I and I can can I say what that essentially means? And now we'll wait a little bit till we till we say who the 49ers quarterback will be in my case. Um, you could say whatever you want. All it's right, totally so fun. What that would essentially mean is that Deshaun Watson would be traded to the 49ers. He's you know, playing in a in a in a hot area once again, playing for Kyle Shanahan, another fantastic young uh, uh, offensive mind. John Lynch, I think, is one of the best executives or GMs in football right now. So I think he's definitely capable of getting it done. Defense, we saw last season, even with the amount of injuries that they had, was not a problem. The offensive line is defense uh, decent. They got a they got a, a a whole array of great running backs on that roster. Uh, young up-and-coming receivers, Brandon Ayuk. I like what I saw from last season, George Kittle coming back healthy. I mean, that's, that's a Super Bowl contender. And then the Texans, why they would do this, again, like I said earlier, the 49ers have a lot to give up, essentially, in terms of defensive players that they could pick from their roster uh, to give to the Texans, as well as I think the biggest um, the biggest gleam of light with this trade is, again, the Texans, uh, over the course of the last month, have deemed themselves as such a disastrous organization that they're going to have to trade for a guy that's already locked up. So I think that Jimmy Garoppolo having another two, three years left on his contract, I don't believe he has a no trade clause. It's going to be a guy that essentially will have to pay for him because he's under contract. Whereas, you know, if they trade him to another team, I don't really see how the Texans replace a quarterback unless they draft one. And knowing that they don't have a first round pick this year, I don't think that's going to be a possibility. So I think that's the way that they go, and I think this trade happens. I kind of like that, actually. I know Frisco has been rumored uh, to be a potential suitor for Deshaun Watson, but, James, I want to hear what you got, too. That's definitely a good one, Kyle. That's been I heard Michael Vick was kind of involved with that as well. So yeah, That's interesting. Um, so I'm going to go probably out on left field, like what the Texans have done this season uh tyrod taylor that's i mean that's that's also a great choice because they they you may know, not have a lot of options after this season and what went down give them a small contract can build a team i mean i don't know that that listen the texans organization is probably worse than the jets organization right now in my opinion um so i want to 
be surprised if they do Tyrod Taylor. That's something else. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I could definitely see that happening uh, for sure. Um, guys, I think Watson's staying. And my reasoning why is I totally understand that he wants out of Houston. And don't get me wrong, I, I do think that, uh, you know, a team like Carolina could be a potential suitor for him. If he does get traded, that's where I think he'll go, by the way. I think he'll go to Carolina um, with Joe Brady and Matt Rule down there. I think that would make the most sense. But um, Houston just paid Watson $30 million this past year. In my opinion, it's a bad business move to trade him. And I know it happened with the Giants and Odell. that They traded him after they paid him, but... Um, I think a trade to the Panthers would be the only place that he possibly goes. But um, have him staying in Houston, I think this is going to last past. I mean, you could see a potential draft night trade. But, um, you know, Chris Sims reported it today. Um, There's a good chance Watson is going to sit out training camp and may sit out 2021 if he still is a Texan. And I don't know. I mean, Casario, they seem really like they seem like they don't want to trade him. They don't want to trade him, but at the same time, you know, if, if you don't like where you're working, what what happens? You know, you ask to be in the NFL is different because you're under a contract. And mm-hmm. uh, look, I'd like to think he's going to get traded, but something tells me he's he he's not. I, I think this Houston fiasco is going to last a little longer. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. I don't I don't know if he'd sit out of seat. I don't I don't see him as that type of player. I don't think he'd do that. I don't know how that would work salary-wise. Would they still be obligated to pay him if he sits out? Um, I believe – I'm not sure. I mean, I would imagine because – I mean, here, here's here's the thing. I think Watson should give Casario a, a chance to build this team in the offseason. And then, you know, if you don't like how things are looking after free agency, then the trade um, Stock may buzz a little bit, then maybe that'll get me to change my mind. But until you've seen a full off season from this GM, uh, I mean, I think he should stay. I mean, I'm not a big fan of the head coach hiring, which we'll get into later, but uh, I think he's staying. I think he's staying. I'm not confident in that, but I think he's going to stay. You know, it's just one of those things, guys, the, um, the, the carousel stopped spinning rather quickly for me after the Stafford cough trade. So we may see some boring stuff for me here tonight. But anyway, let's get to Miami. Let, let's get to my They're a team that could potentially trade for Watson as well. Uh, they've been rumored as one of the top four suitors, but they did just draft Tua last year. So, uh, James, you'll start this one. Who do you think is starting for Miami in 2021? I say they go back to the same formula they just had. Tua and they'll they'll re-sign. I think Fitz Matt, uh, Fitzpatrick is a free agent, so they'll bring him back as the backup. But I see Tua starting. Okay. Yeah, I see. I see Tua as well. the o- The only reason, and I don't think a lot of people know this, I don't. The only reason why I don't see Deshaun Watson going there is because if you're the Houston Texans, the most embarrassing thing that you could do for your franchise at this Straight point. Back. Is trade for the pick that you traded to Miami. So I I just don't see that happening, but I see them sticking with Tua and probably signing back Fitzpatrick as well. I I agree. Um, That's the next thing I was going to bring up. If you're Miami, you don't want to trade. You know, if you're Miami and Houston, you don't want to re-swap 
it just doesn't make sense. It's kind of not a good look uh, for both franchises, uh, as a matter, especially Houston. But I think Miami's sticking with Tua. I mean, he looked decent at times in his rookie year. Remember, he had a significant injury at, at Alabama that affected him. He wasn't able to yeah. start right right away, and you know when he did, he gave the team a nice boost. And look what Miami did this year. It's not like you can say Tua lost Miami a lot of games. That wasn't the case. No. It really wasn't. He he wasn't the problem this year for Miami. The problem with Miami was Buffalo was just a lot better. Yeah. Miami. They won, they won 10 games. It was just that yeah. Buffalo was yeah. in the division. So we all have Tua staying. So that's the first one that we all have the same so far. And um, let's get to Chicago, a team that, and um, Andy Hopper, I, I hope you're watching right now because uh, think, things are about to get a little crazy here. Uh, the Chicago Bears were a team that actually made the playoffs at 8-8. Eight and eight. Uh, it, it was so crazy. Their game was televised on Nickelodeon. Uh, Mitch Trubisky was named the uh, Nickelodeon Valuable Player, and he is set to be a free agent heading into 2021. Uh, there's been rumors about him potentially to Denver, to Washington, even to Houston. And, you know, I mean, it's, they said it would have to take a deep playoff run for the bears to keep Trubisky. So uh, what do you guys think? I think that the bears wind up signing uh, Cam Newton. I see, I see the organization in the, in the bears having a carousel within themselves, you know, trading for Nick Foles in the off season, uh, even though they had Trubisky. Benching Trubisky, even though he started like what three and hours two and one or something like that, and they put in Nick Foles. Nick Foles couldn't win a game. Went back to Trubisky, made the playoffs, and they still don't seem to want him back. But Cam Newton was a guy that the Bears were rumored to be interested in last off season as well, except the GM just wound up pulling the trigger with Jacksonville and acquiring Nick Foles. Uh, Cam Newton's going to be out there. I don't think there's going to be a lot of interest in him, and I don't know if there's going to be a lot of interest in this Bears team. As well, just because of uh, you know potentially losing Allen Robinson, uh, Jimmy Graham is an older player. Uh, what is Tariq Cohen going to be? They got a lot of they got a lot of question marks with that team. Is Matt Nagy even going to be there for a whole nother? You know, we might be here this year, but he's going to be there another year. I think Cam Newton is the guy they wind up signing because he's going to be out there. That's an interesting one. Yep. Interesting. Um. I'm sticking with Trubisky. He got him to the playoffs. Andy, if you're watching, either you agree, disagree. Uh, I'd actually love to know what, what you're thinking on this. Uh, so comment below. Um, but, yeah, I think they stick with Trubisky. They, they ain't go deep. I mean, you look at it, they ain't go deep. Well, they played the Saints. So, I maybe if they played a weaker team, like Washington, they might have went deeper. Um, but they did play the Saints. I say they stick with Trubisky. Kyle does make some good points. They don't want to stick with Foles or Trubisky as we saw throughout the season, so it should be interesting. But I say Trubisky stays. So I have Trubisky as well, staying with the Bears, and for a different reason than James, though. Um, well, Trubisky actually has had a better record with Chicago than Watson has with the Texans. And that's more of a product of the team that the bears have had the last few years and the coaching. I think Nagy is a slightly better coach than O'Brien was. 
And I also think the Bears' defense was much better than Houston was. So, but Trubisky was the quarterback of a 12 and 4 Bears team in 2018. And the Bears are lurking around eight to nine wins every single year. Now, what does that mean? That means you're never picking high enough in the draft to get one of these rookie quarterbacks. And I don't think the Bears can bank on that. I don't. I think the Bears are keeping Mitch Trubisky. Uh, It may not be what you would like to hear, Bears fans, but I think they're going to keep him on a one-year deal, uh, a prove-it deal. There's a chance they could even use – I mean, they they, they could pull out the franchise tag. I don't think they're going to do that. That wouldn't make sense to me. But I think they're going to sign him to a one-year, not minimal deal, but a moderate deal to keep him. Trubisky, in my opinion, was not the reason why the Bears faltered this year. The Bears just – they didn't have a good offensive line, and I feel like they should have never benched Mitch Trubisky. What can Nick Foles do that Mitch Trubisky can at this point? Mitch Trubisky is 26 years old. Foles is on the north side of 30. Yeah. I think the whole Nick Foles thing was dumb. I think it played with Trubisky's head a little bit. I think it would have been smarter to bring in a veteran quarterback like an Andy Dalton to work with Mitch Trubisky when they had the opportunity to. Uh, I think Trubisky's staying, although you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes elsewhere. But uh, have Mitch staying in Chicago for at least one more year. And on to New England. New England's interesting. Obviously, Tom Brady left the organization last year, signed with the Tampa Bay Bucks in free agency. And um, you know what? I'll go first here for this one because the Patriots, in my opinion, are going to draft Mac Jones. Quarterback out of Alabama, he had an impressive senior bowl. The Patriots are picking 15th. I think this is an excellent spot for New England to draft him. I know Belichick has never drafted a quarterback first round. He's never really drafted a, a big-name quarterback other than Tom Brady. So, I mean, you could you can make the argument, uh, Jimmy G. But, look, I think Mac Jones fits what they want better than Cam Newton. Uh, there's a chance they could bring Cam Newton back. Devin McCourty came out and said he would not mind Cam Newton returning to New England, but um, taking away his 12 rushing touchdowns, New England quarterbacks last year had 12 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. That will change if Mac Jones is your quarterback heading into 2021. And, you know, I'm kind of looking at their cap space here. Uh, They're not necessarily in the – Best shape, they're not in the worst shape. Actually, no, they're in pretty good shape. They're fourth. They're fourth. So they could go out and be spenders, but I think it's smarter for them to go with the young quarterback in Mac Jones. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I actually have them taking Mac Jones as well with the 15th overall pick. I think it's a great fit for them. I think that, again, even though New England, it seems like they were way worse of a team than they actually were. They went 7-9 and nine last year, so they almost hit 500. And you got to remember, with the amount of guys that they had that opted out, which I think was eight, they lost a lot of guys to free agency. Um, A lot of guys periodically throughout the year got COVID. You remember Cam Newton got COVID, and after that he really was never the same. Um, Julian Edelman was hurt all year as well. And they were rolling with receivers like Jacoby Myers and, you know, a bunch of other guys. Harry. Yeah, Harry is – well, Harry they mixed in. But, yeah, they they really struggled. I think that they start off with a quarterback and then they – you know, build through free agency. Again, the defense, I think, is going to be much better next year than it was this year. And I think they somewhat get back on track with Mac Jones leading the charge. 
James? Well, this might surprise a few people. Um, Jimmy G goes back to the Pats. Like it. Bill Belichick's like, nope, Cam Newton was a terrible idea. Disgusting. Doesn't work in my system. Jimmy G, I know that he's been under Brady. He knows my system. Since he's their fourth, I'm sure they do some they do some Belichick things to get him back. He comes back as a Patriot. I like that a lot, actually. I think Jimmy G has been rumored to potentially go back there if the 49ers are able to pull the plug with a quarterback like a Deshaun Watson or a Matt Ryan. Yeah. But uh, I think Jimmy G is a good pick if you're not going rookie. If you're going veteran, I think Jimmy G is the best fit, actually. Um, you know, One could argue Matt Ryan as well. Uh, veteran from Atlanta, although I, I think he's we'll, – we'll get to Atlanta in just a moment. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think Ryan being from Pennsylvania, playing his college ball at Boston College, that would be a decent fit. But uh, all right, let's move on to Washington, uh, the Washington football team. Kyle, I would like you to go first for the uh, Washington football team. I'm going to have them – uh, take a quarterback in this year's draft. I believe they have the 19th overall pick, I want to say, something like that. I'm going to say that they take tri- uh, Kyle Trask out of Florida. I think that'll be their quarterback. I was also really close to seeing a Cam Newton reunion with Ron Rivera, but I felt that uh, I don't know if he's going to do that. But just based on the fact that Ron Rivera has brought essentially every Carolina quarterback, quarterback that he's ever had, Taylor Heineke, Kyle Allen, you know, why not bring over Cam Newton, the best one you ever had? But I'm going to roll with Kyle Trask. I think they – Pick a new guy. Uh, Kyle Allen's not going to be the guy. Dwayne Haskins, you saw they released. I think Alex Smith is going to retire. And Taylor Heineke, as much as we loved him in that Tampa game, I don't think that could be your franchise quarterback. So I think they take a quarterback at the first round this year, and I think it's going to be Kyle Trask. James? All righty. Well, um, it, in my mind, it depends on what Alex Smith does. He retires they find somebody else. If he doesn't retire and he stays with Washington, they don't go after anybody. But I did worst case scenario. They get Cam Newton. Yeah. Okay. That's who that's my pick, Cam Newton. Other factors lead it into that, but my gut was telling me Newton. So here's my problem with Cam Newton for Washington. And yes, I flirted with this idea as well. Um the GM. It's the same GM that had beef with Cam Newton in Carolina. I don't think they're going to do it. I wouldn't be surprised if they did, uh, but I don't think Newton will be a starter there. I think at this point, Cam Newton might be a backup quarterback, guys. Uh, I see that. It it all depends on the scheme. I don't know if there's many teams left that would fit his scheme. Washington is one of them. Um, If Alex Smith retires, which I think he should, they will draft Kyle Trask. Regardless if Smith retires or not, I, I think they should draft Kyle Trask. But I do think Cam Newton is a potential backup quarterback option. So I do agree with Kyle. I have I have Trask going to the Washington uh, football team. And we actually to hey, Sam, what's up? How's it going? Thanks for tuning in to the live stream tonight. Uh, what's up, boys? I don't see Alex Smith sticking around much longer. I'd love to see Cam finish off his career with Ron Riverboat Rivera. But what about Taylor Heineke? Nah, Taylor Heineke is much again as much as we loved it. I don't. I just don't see it. I would be shocked 
if they roll with Taylor Heineke into the new season. He did prove himself, though, up against the best. I think if they need to put him in and see how he plays, he might be somebody that they uh, put out like for trading. If they need pieces and he's playing pretty well, uh, see who is willing to take him for some trades. But I think Heineke earned himself, earned himself the number two quarterback role for Washington in 2021. Yeah. Uh, that, that's my opinion on that. But uh, don't get me wrong. You bring in trash, you got to give Heineke an open competition. You got to give him a chance to compete for the starting job against Trask if those are the two quarterbacks that they put out. But Sam brings up a good point. Um, I don't see Smith lasting much longer, and it would be nice to see Cam be back with Rivera uh, in Washington. And it's crazy. Heineke actually started a game for Carolina as well before coming over to Washington. And then Andy Hopper has a comment. He says Mitch to the football team. Hmm. Andy, you don't want him on the, the the Bears anymore? No, I think Andy's over Mitch. Andy's seen four years of Mitch. Andy, who do you uh, want as your next quarterback? Put it in yeah. The, yeah. Who do you yeah, want as your quarterback? So we actually just talked about the Bears, Andy, in case you missed it. Um, so Kyle has the Bears getting Cam Newton via free agency. And James and I both think Trubisky will stay due to where the Bears are in the draft. Um, and their cap positioning. I don't think they'll be able to trade for anybody. And, you know, I mean, other than those two, I think Andy Dalton is the third guy. Maybe you throw in there. Um, Your comments wouldn't mind him on a one-year back to Chicago. Um, And then he comes back with drift, a young guy, let him compete. Here's the problem with that. We have Mac Jones going to New England, and we have Kyle Trask going to Washington. Yeah. Bears come after Washington in this draft. Unless one of those two teams does not take – I think Mac Jones would be an excellent fit for Chicago, by the way. Um, and then Sam comes back with – Nick Foles. Um, hmm. They're going to have to buy him out, Sam. Because they he's yeah. got way too much money left on that contract. Actually, wait, no, wait a minute. Didn't he? He only signed a three-year deal with Jacksonville, so I think he only might have one year left on that deal. Yeah, let's check his contract situation right now because I'm I'm pretty sure it was a three-year deal with Jacksonville. So he might he might ride out the rest of his career as the backup for Chicago potentially. Yep. So yeah. Foles has a potential opt-out after 2021, but he signed – he'll be an unrestricted free agent in 2023. Okay, so four years. Yeah. Yes. He'll opt into that. Um, speaking of which, Sam and Andy, I'm excited to join them Saturday night on the Brew Party for Andy's Super Bowl pregame show. Really looking forward to that. Make sure to tune in to ours as well on Sunday at 10 a.m. That's going to be a lot of fun. So it's going to be a busy weekend um, for for review and preview and the brew party. So, you know, it's interesting. A lot of things can happen with Washington. A lot of things yep. can happen. Yep. This Maybe they'll get a name. What, what was that? Maybe they'll even get a name this year, you know? Not Who knows? Not yet. 2022. All right. So, Jacksonville. I think this one's pretty obvious. Do we all have Jacksonville drafting Trevor Lawrence? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Cool. 
So that's that's a clean sweep. Uh, put T-Law here for all of us. Uh, my chicken scratch. Um, okay, so Jacksonville is moved on from, I think, Urban Meyer. Trevor Lawrence is a good fit. Yep. Um, Carolina. Now, Carolina is the one team that I could see potentially getting Watson. Um because I was not impressed with Teddy Bridgewater this year. Um, I mean, he was okay, but he wasn't great either. Um, Kyle, who do you have landing in the Carolinas? I think they draft the quarterback, and I think they take Zach Wilson out of BYU. I think that he will be there at the eighth overall pick. I think Teddy will still be on the roster, and he might start a couple games off in the regular season, but once they transition Zach Wilson into that position, I think that'll be – uh, their guy moving forward. Again, I don't remember if Matt Rule was there when they first had originally acquired Teddy Bridgewater, so that may not have been his original move or mindset. But I think that you know Teddy Bridgewater having one year remaining left on his deal, I think that they could assume that he's not going to be the guy. So I think Matt Rule is going to want to draft his own guy, and I think that Zach Wilson being there at number eight is uh, is a great pickup for them potentially. James, who do you got? Tell me. They're, they're sticking with Bridgewater. They're going to ride him out. Even though he didn't look good, I think they're just going to ride him out to see what see what it holds. I mean, they could easy they could probably might go. I don't know exactly what their uh, cap space looks like, but they could go after somebody on Washington's bench. So, Kyle, I just want to clarify: you have them drafting Zach Wilson and Bridgewater being moved. No, I think Bridgewater stays with the team, but I think that Zach Wilson will be drafted to Carolina to be eventually be the starter. Cause I just want to clear, cause I actually have the, uh, I have the Panthers drafting Zach Wilson as well. Yeah. But I think Bridgewater's going to start the season. I don't think Wilson's going to play right away. I I'll agree with that. I agree with that. Like I said, I think that Teddy Bridgewater gets like four or five games and then they transition to Zach Wilson potentially. Okay. So do you want to stick with Wilson or. Yeah. Just put me down for Wilson. That's who I think they're going to draft. Okay. So I'm just going to go Teddy. Okay. Um, All right. But I do think they will be drafting Wilson. That was an interesting one, but Carolina is out of the way. The new Orleans saints, they have the worst cap situation in football. Uh, They have the least amount of space. They are 32nd. They're actually worse than the Philadelphia Eagles, which is bad. Drew Brees is more than likely going to retire. Um, any minute now. And, uh, you know, James, I, I want to start with you here. So since I honestly thought the Eagles were bad, I thought the Eagles were 32nd in the league in cap space, just finding that out. But it's not going to change my decision that I have down on paper. It's going to be a split between uh, Jameson, Winston, and Hill. Um, that combo worked out. Hill and Breeze worked out pretty well. Um, during this past season, I think they stick with that same thing. Um, I mean, they, they got no, pretty much no money to spend. Drew Brees isn't coming back, so they they're going to ride with Winston and Hill and call it a day. Can you pick one? Oh, oh, okay, um, Winston. Okay. Uh, and just so you know, Winston is a free agent, so they'd have to bring him back for that to happen. Um, Kyle, who do you got? Yeah, I'm going with Winston too, but he's not—he's not, he's not going to cost any money. He threw what? How many passes this year? And three. he only one touchdown, and that was in yeah. the in the playoffs. So 
he's not going to really have a big market. The Saints have said that they want him back, so I don't see him moving on, especially knowing that he's an opportunity to be a starter. I don't think he has an opportunity to be a starter on a lot of these teams in the NFL. Uh, it's Taysom Hill for me, guys. Uh, I, I think he's, he, he's the older of the two. I, I don't like Winston and his turnovers. I, I think maybe they give him a look, but I'm going to be bold and see Taysom Hill will be starting uh, in, in 2021. Um, now, okay. Tom, I got a, a question for you before we move on to the next one. Do you see Hill as more of a Lamar Jackson type just because he does so much? Like, does, does, does that interfere with, say, two to three years down the road if Hill does become their starting quarterback this season? I think the thing is with Taysom Hill's game, he can do everything. He can play receiver. He can play tight end. He can play running back. He can play quarterback. Uh, but at least for 2021, with mm-hmm. the two players that the Saints have on their roster, I'm really not flattered by Jameis Winston by by any means, and I don't mm-hmm. know if they're going to retain him. Taysom Hill's the only quarterback under contract heading into 2021, so that's why I think it's going to be him. I don't think um, – I mean, I, I think Winston will get re-signed there, but I, I don't yeah. know if he, he's going to start. You know, yeah. I, I was just curious what your thinking was behind it. That's yeah. all. But don't get me wrong. The ideal situation would be for Winston to start and Hill to stay in his role. Oh, yeah. But, um, that, that's who I got. I got Taysom Hill. I think he's at least a, a one-year starter for them. Pittsburgh. This is interesting. They, they just signed Dwayne Haskins, and Big Ben is one year left on his deal, but that's going to cost them over $40 million. Kyle, you can go first for Pittsburgh. Yeah, I'm going to go with Big Ben. I, I think that's where he's going to be. I mean, he said as long as the organization wants me, I'm coming back. So I, I don't see them not wanting him, and I don't see them willing to take a cap hit of that magnitude uh, just to get him off the team and not be the starter. So I think Big Ben's going to be the starter. He's going to ride out his career as a Pittsburgh Steeler, and that'll be it. Excellent. Um yeah, I, I agree. I think Big Ben is going to be back in Pittsburgh for the final year of his NFL career. I think that's it after this year. This is last year coming up. Uh, I think Big Ben will be the starting quarterback for Pittsburgh in 2021. James. I am going to go with Sam Darnold. Love it. Cheap. Love it. Nobody took no. Dwayne Haskins. Nobody. Nope. Not even you, Kyle. I know. Big, big, big Ben's still under contract. Um, comment from Hank. Taysom's an interesting choice, but if I were them, I'm not against taking a flyer on Mr. Crab Legs. Who's that? Jameis. Gotcha. Mm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. 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 yeah, I got it. Now I got it. It's yeah, it's an interesting analogy by Hank. But uh, all right, so th- uh, four teams left. We have the Falcons, the Broncos, the 49ers, and the Eagles. Uh, saving Philadelphia for last because you know they're they're Philly. But uh, <laughs> let, let's go to Atlanta. This is very interesting. Um, it's been said that Matt Ryan and Julio Jones will not be dealt this offseason. 
but they do hold the fourth overall pick in this year's draft. So, Kyle, I'll start with you here. Who do you think starts for Atlanta? I think it's going to be Matt Ryan. It was just reported that Julio and you know Matt Ryan are not going to be traded. Uh, I believe that 100%, especially the money that they have allocated into um, Matt Ryan and his contract long-term. I just don't see any way in which they take a quarterback with that fourth overall pick. I, I just don't see it happening. So I'm going to say Matt Ryan for next season. James. Riding high on Matt Ryan. So we got a clean sweep for Matt Ryan, who is on their contract until 2025 in Atlanta. Matt Ryan will be 39 years of age wow. through his contract. He's 35 currently. He'll be 36 by the start of next season. So I mm-hmm. uh, just wanted to throw that out there. We have three more. The Denver Broncos. James, you're up. Broncos, oof. Um, they got some problems there. I'm going to go with Brissett. Jacoby Brissett. Um, that he just get he goes there because Drew Locke and honestly, what happened with the COVID situation this year? Who knows what's COVID's going to be like within the start of the football season? It was a that it was a complete joke. I think they had a wide receiver start as quarterback. So if you get more of a stable quarterback in there and have Drew Locke as your backup. I think it works out for the Broncos. All right. That's that, that that's an interesting one. I definitely respect that. That's definitely a, a wild card choice, but definitely an interesting one. Kyle. I think they pick up Mitch Trubisky, you know, familiar face, Vic Vangio being with Chicago for so many years, obviously as a defensive coordinator, but he was there when they were winning with Mitchell Trubisky. And I think that he'll bring him in there essentially with, um, for the Broncos and with that team and he'll work underneath them. I like Drew Locke, but again, he just he did not have a really good season. And like James, I think that actually might play a factor. Drew Locke, I think, was the one that started that whole COVID outbreak in the quarterback's locker room. Yeah. So I think that could also play a, a big factor as well in the quarterback decision-making. So I think they go with Mitch Trubisky. So correct me if I'm wrong, but Drew Locke was one of the league leaders in interceptions this year. I think he was like number two with like 14. He had 15. 15 interceptions this year. So I actually have the Broncos keeping Drew Locke, and he will start in 2021, in my opinion. He's only played two years. I think Drew Locke, this is a similar situation to Daniel Jones, guys, um, except uh, I would rather have Jones than Locke right now. Uh, But I think Drew Locke is there to stay in Denver under Vic Fangio for at least one more year. We will see what happens in 2022, but – think you got to give Drew Locke another shot. San Francisco. I mean, I'll just – I'll start it off because I already said it earlier. Uh, I think that they wind up trading for Deshaun Watson and a Jimmy Garoppolo, Deshaun Watson deal um, that sends him to the 49ers. I think that's what's going to happen. I think that they suit him as a nice – as a great team, instantly become Super Bowl contenders, uh, great offensive coordinator, and they're not going to, you know – not surround him with people because we already know he goes there. They have plenty of people for him to work with as opposed to what he had in Houston this year. So I think that's where Deshaun Watson ends up and starts for the 49ers. Yeah, I definitely like it. I think he'd be an excellent fit under a young mind and Kyle Shanahan. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I could definitely see Watson playing there, having a lot of success with a really good defense, by the way. So. I am going with Nick Mullins. I liked what he did. 
when Jimmy G was hurt. He was on my fantasy team. He blessed me a few weeks. Um, <laughs> that did not go into any of my decision at all. All right, maybe a little bit, a little bit. Um, but Nick Mullins, I think uh, he gets some more playing time. I think he turns into a decent quarterback for the 49ers. Wow. Okay. That's definitely an interesting one. Nick Mullins. I have Jimmy G, by the way. I have, I have Jimmy G staying. Um, I know – I think his contract runs through 23 uh, or 2023. He'll be an unrestricted free agent. So he yeah. has two years left on his deal. Yeah. So um, I think he's there to stay for 2021. Again, like I mentioned earlier – Mike Carousel is not spinning very much. I think a lot of guys are going to stay in place, and I think um, a lot of the replacements are going to be rookie quarterbacks. I think we'll re- we've seen two, well two quarterbacks will retire this offseason, Rivers and Breeze. Um, that's two yeah. openings right there. So, and Washington as well with Al- that Alex Smith. So, so, so that's three openings, and New England four. So there's a lot of teams that are looking for quarterbacks. So, but I don't think San Francisco is one of them. I think they stick with Jimmy J. Um, last one, Philadelphia, the Philadelphia Eagles, a team that they have uh, chaos right now. Who's starting in 2021? Carson Wentz, uh, Jalen Hurts, Nick Sirianni is their new head coach. The Colts uh, offensive coordinator, Kyle Russo, who's uh, who's starting for Philly in 2021. I think it's going to be Jalen Hurts. Uh, you know, I said it earlier that I think Carson Wentz gets traded to the Colts, so that would ultimately leave them with uh, Jalen Hurts as their quarterback. And I think he proved last season in the minimal time that he played. He was very impressive, especially in that Arizona game. Um, even though they lost, he was highly impressive. Um, I think that'll be their guy. I think that'll be their guy. And they focused that sixth overall pick on some offensive weapons to help them uh, further build their roster. Because like you alluded to, a numerous amounts of time, Tom. They, their cap is so bad. So they're a team that's going to have to build through the draft. James. So when I was doing this, I put down a little note. I'll send to you guys on the separate side of it. Um, Wentz and Hurts duke it out in the offseason and in uh, um, practice and all that stuff. Uh, I say Wentz wins it out. Somehow, but then by week three, Hertz is in. But put me down as once. I think it's nearly impossible for. Um, I think Wentz is making too much money. I think he's making too much money. Uh, for I, I think the Eagles have to keep him. I think they're in a situation where they have to keep him for at least another year. Um, I love what Jalen Hurts did for them last year, but I think Carson Wentz is their starting quarterback in twenty twenty one. I don't think he'll be dealt. Um. But if it does happen, I think Indianapolis will get him. So that's that's my butt. Um, so yeah, that was our quarterback carousel, guys. That that was really good. That was really good. A lot of James, a lot of hot takes. A lot of a lot of hot yeah. takes. Listen, I'm all about those hot takes, man. I, I like mixing up the pot with you guys. It's fun. Nick Mullins, Jacoby Brissett. Yep. Now, if all mine comes true, um, you, you guys would just have to bow down to me on uh, the show. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's definitely some interesting one. Cam Newton starting in Washington, that, that that's interesting too. I mean, I think that could be a realistic possibility for sure. 
but yeah, yeah, it'll be very fun to watch, folks. If you want to check our full uh, list of our quarterback carousel, we're going to uh, post a graphic on social media. You can catch it on Facebook and Instagram. Um, it'll be up on Thursday. Kyle and I will work on that uh, tomorrow. And then uh, you could also watch this clip on YouTube later tonight. We'll post our quarterback carousel segment up on YouTube. and wanted to thank you all for joining us here tonight. Uh, you know, yet again, this is review and preview. We're halfway through the show. And now let's talk about the Houston Texans a little more in depth. I want to talk about them and what they've been able to do this off season. Um, they hired David Culley as their new head coach. He was the Ravens wide receivers slash special teams coach. This is basically a WTF hire. Um, Worse than um, a lot of people were critiquing the Joe Judge hire last year when it came out, because Joe Judge was also a wide receiver slash special teams coach. Discussion. Was this the right hire for the Houston Texans? Because Deshaun Watson and J.J. Watt both won out. Mm. No, and I think that further drives them out. And wasn't he – I think he was a wide receiver in special teams with Kansas City, but I think with, with – um, what was it, with – uh, Baltimore, he was a QB coach, I thought. I'm almost positive. I think that's the case. I might be wrong, but this is just a terrible hire. This is a terrible hire for them because, again, especially if you want to keep Watson, you already pissed him off enough by you know making a GM decision without any of his say. Apparently, all the, he finds out all the team's decisions on social media. He has no say in anything. And then, again, you want to intrigue the guy to want to stay, Hire one of the prime, you know, head coaching options. You know, I know Brian Dabble wants to go back, but Eric Bieniemy. I mean, this guy was supposed to be the, the the cream of the crop, head coaching potential talent that has uh, has you know managed to put together an offense of Tyreek Hill, uh, Travis Kelsey, and then adding in Patrick Mahomes on top of all that. You have Deshaun Watson, who's also a top five quarterback in this league. Why would you not want to? bring in a head coach that would at least forget about Watson, at least show that your organization that you're looking to win and looking to try, or at least trying to keep this guy within the organization. Instead, they hired a guy that oh, I, I think this was this back in like 2014 when he was the wide receivers coach in Kansas city, uh, they, the wide receivers went touchdownless. That's the head coach that you bring in a guy that doesn't have any experience head coaching or being, you know, a dominant known coordinator. That's the guy you bring in. And again, I'm not knocking the guy. The guy could be great. But again, with a team in the Texans where you've made so many poor decisions that, you know, should be centered around what your quarterback wants because of what he's proven, how do you make that decision when you've got a guy in the enemy who, who has built that offense in Kansas City and just don't even give him a chance, especially knowing that they're the last team to hire a coach so you know the enemy is going to be there or you know the better options are going to be there and you just don't even – I don't get it. It made no sense to me personally. They didn't want to wait for him. I think that's what it was. And, you know, the second interviews were uh, Eberflus, Frazier, and Cully. I know, but he wasn't going anywhere. There's no more head coaching positions left open. Where was he going? You could wait know. another two weeks for the Super Bowl to end. But I'll say this. I just want to correct myself. He was the assistant head coach for Baltimore, the wide receivers coach, and the passing game coordinator. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's what he was in Baltimore over the past couple of years. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely an interesting hire. Uh, 
I don't know where JJ Watt could land. You know, there, there's rumors of multiple teams uh, joining his brother in Pittsburgh, TJ. Brothers. Back, brothers. Yep. Yep. Uh, TJ and Derek. So yep. that should definitely be fun to observe over the off season. But I don't think Cully was the worst hire. I mean, with who was allowed. I mean, look, I, I trust Casario for them. I, I think at that point, um, you kind of just have to go with your gut. And out of those three guys, they wanted him. I would have preferred to see them go after a guy like Brian Dabble. Um, I, I personally think he was the best candidate, even over Bienemy. I think Bienemy was the second best candidate behind Dabble. But, um, you know, I think one of those two, nobody would complain about it uh, for Houston. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I just think that's real realistically uh, a suspect hire. James, do you have anything to add on uh, David Cully? Uh, no. The only thing is it's just made Houston a complete mess right now. Yeah. I'm not even going to say joke because they can be a contending team if they wanted to be. Uh, but by moving their best wide receiver, by pretty much telling your quarterback um, – we aren't going to listen to you. And then hearing J.J. Watt. I mean, J.J., I mean, he should have moved a long time ago to a contender team, yeah. to be honest with you. Um, but to hear that, it's just – it's it's made Houston not a joke but a concern right now. Um, listen, I listen. the biggest question mark in football right now, the yeah. worst organization in football right now. Houston well, – but back to J.J. Watt, I kind of disagree with that because Houston – was leading Kansas City 24 nothing in a playoff game just last year. Well, so yeah. I, I don't think Watt's been on a bad team. I think Watt has been on a relatively good team over the past few years, but he's, now the team is crumbling. Well, yeah, the defense, the last five, five, four years, the defense has been horrible. It's been solely based on Watson's performance. And then you trade away his number one receiver for an aging David Johnson. I mean, it just doesn't – they didn't even get a first-round pick out of it. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Will Fuller's a free agent. Yeah, so yeah, I don't, even, I don't even think Brandon Cooks. I didn't even think they were going to bring back Will Fuller anyway because of you know he got suspended because of PED use. So yeah, I don't think Fuller is going to be a Texan next year. But nope. uh, we'll see what happens. And enough on Houston. Um, any other stuff on the NFL we got to touch on? I, mean, I think we pretty much covered it all. Yeah, no, I think we covered it. Covered, you know what? everybody needs to do about the NFL is join us this Sunday at 10 o'clock. <laughs> Quick little plug. Yes. Uh, join us at 10 a.m. Eastern time this Sunday for our Super Bowl pregame show. It'll be uh, Kyle Russo, James Montefusco, myself, this whole trio of a panel we got here. And then Paul Lombardi, who is a diehard Chiefs fan. He'll be joining us, the host of 3 and D and Gabe Flayton the host of the North Pole. There's our graphic again. Those will be the segments we'll be talking about on the show. We'll be going over some Super Bowl history, analyze the Chiefs and the Bucks, make a quick preview of the game, talk about Reed and Arians, go over the injury report for each team, and finally make our game predictions. So don't miss that stuff. It's going to be good stuff. Sunday morning, grab your coffee, grab your tea, grab whatever you drink in the morning. And come join us. We may have a little prelude kickoff segment a few minutes before 10, too, if we're feeling groovy Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. It'll be very interesting. Um, So set set your alarms for like 6 a.m. 
uh, it'll <laughs> be a lot of fun. <laughs> I don't know, guys. I'm rolling out of bed on Sunday morning. Uh, this this is this might be the look Sunday morning. <laughs> Steve, what's up, Steve? Uh, happy Super Bowl week. May break the record with new starting quarterbacks next season. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, Steve, I, I want to hear who you got starting for Philly in, in 2021. Uh, I definitely want your opinion on that. Steve is uh, an Eagles fan. So um, I know Steve does a podcast of his own as well. Uh, with Coach Muddle, so make sure to go check that out. I know typically they go live Sunday mornings during the football season. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, yeah, make sure to go uh, check them out as well on their platform. That is Coach Muddle. So, uh, but let's transition into some NBA talk with surrounding the Brooklyn Nets, um, pretty much the uh, big brother of the two New York teams right now can't say that too loud around paul but uh the wizards actually beat the nets on sunday this was an interesting game where bradley beal essentially hit the game winning three brooklyn lost to the four and 12 wizards by the way the worst team in the east right now uh the worst team in the league worst team in the whole league worse By three points. Uh, Russell Westbrook had near triple-double numbers, 41 points, 10 boards, 8 assists, with the game-winning three, and then Bradley Beal had 37 points. People want Bradley Beal to leave Washington. So I know this talk has been buzzing for a while. Where could he possibly go? Who who would be a, a good fit for Bradley Beal? I don't – people are saying the Clippers or the Lakers. I just don't get how either of those teams do that money-wise unless they just want to say, you know, let's just be $100 million over the luxury tax. I don't get how you add that considering you look at the Clippers. They have – they're paying tremendous amounts of money to Kawhi Leonard, and now they just gave Paul George, what, like a $220 million contract in the offseason extension-wise. Yeah. You look at the Lakers, they're paying a boatload – to LeBron James, a boatload to Anthony Davis, and they had to, in acquiring Montrezl Harrell, he had to take a pay cut. Dennis Schroeder as well had to take a pay cut. So I don't get how either of those teams do that money-wise, but according to Bradley Beal, which I don't get because Bradley Beal could easily be you know, a number two piece on a championship team, he apparently he wants to be in Washington. He, he hasn't asked for a trade. He wants yeah. to be there. So he might just be one of those lifer type of players that just wants to – you know, finish off his career in the same jersey that he got drafted into. But I think that's going to be the situation right now because, again, he's even leading the league in scoring right now. I think he averages the most points per game. So that only further raises his, you know, trade value. But he wants to be there, apparently. He hasn't asked for a trade. We do need to acknowledge, though, that Brooklyn did not have James Harden on Sunday due to a thigh contusion. Uh, and, you know, it's definitely not good, but Kevin Durant – Picked up the slack, scoring 37 points. Wasn't enough, though. Joe Harris erupted for 30 points. He was excellent. And then Kyrie had 26 points, eight assists. So, And then Jeff Green off the bench. He was pretty good, too. We kind of talked about how Brooklyn has no bench ever since trading for James Harden. But uh, Jeff Green, 23-7, and seven, I'll, I'll take that. Yeah, that's really good. It is really good. The problem is their uh, starting center position. 
I think that's their big problem right now because Jared Allen was their future starting center. You gave up your future starting center for James Harden. You gave up Karis LeVert for James Harden. And that was your future. Yeah. It's it's definitely the center position, but just the overall perspective of the defensive aspect because the fact that you're giving up 149 points to a team that can't score and can't win – Basketball games, again, they're still the worst team in the league, I believe so, with four wins on the season. Even without James Harden, you didn't need James Harden to win this game. And the fact that even with 146 points, you couldn't win. And I don't know if you guys watched the last, like, 10 seconds of that game. Brooklyn was up 146 to 141, and they allowed Bradley Beal to hit a three. Then Brooklyn can't inbounds the basketball. Turnover goes to Russell Westbrook in the corner, top of the perimeter, shoots a three. He makes that. And they wind up sending Bradley Beal to the line after they miss uh, their shot, Brooklyn. So and they wind up losing the game, 149 to 146. Yeah, they didn't take care of the ball when they needed to. Exactly. In those last final seconds of the game, that's when they blew the game. I think it was like 10 or 12 seconds they let up eight points. So you just can't do that. It's just, it's just not smart, disciplined basketball, and you would think so coming from the veterans because you look at this team – as much as we talk about this team, they're made of a lot of veteran-type players. Tyler Johnson, Jeff Green, Kevin Durant, Joe Harris, Kyrie Irving, DeAndre Jordan. These are veteran-type players. And even and again, we, we knew with this trade that they weren't going to be able to play a lick of defense. But my God, 149 points to this Washington team. It, it's, it's, it's really becoming a problem. It's the Washington effect, Kyle. It's Washington. Yeah. Yeah, Washington beating up it's on New York. Not the Washington football team either. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's 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 crazy. It's crazy that, that that this was even a competition of a game. To be quite honest with you. Um. So the game did go in Washington's favor. And speaking of defense, the Nets bring in defensive specialist Iman Shumpert back for a second stint with the team. And despite the loss, the Nets are still second place in the East. I think they're hosting the Clippers tonight. That game is actually. Underway, we'll give a quick score check on that. Clippers uh, they, up 29 to 22. Yep, they're, they're trailing. First quarter is about to end. Um, and then they host the Raptors on Friday. They will be in Philadelphia Saturday to take on the Sixers. That'll be a one and two matchup in the East. So that'll definitely be fun to watch. And Steve has another comment. Um, appreciate the plug. I think with Dougie Fresh out of Philly and with all the money, Wentz is owed. I really think he mends the relationship and is the starter next season. Yep. I agree with you, Steve. I, I agree. But uh, we will see. We don't know what Philly's going to do. Uh, that Howie Roseman is unpredictable. He's, you know, he's not one of the better GMs out there. That That's for sure. Yep. Um, so, yeah, that Brooklyn-Philly matchup Saturday is going to be very interesting. Philadelphia has an excellent basketball team this year. They they, they moved in the right direction after fire, uh, after swapping out Brett Brown for Doc Rivers. Um, you know, I love that Tobias Harris is kind of like – I don't know. He's kind of like the number two, in my opinion, right now. I, I, think, I think Ben Simmons is playing better. Joel Embiid is playing pretty good. But I think Tobias Harris and Joel Embiid are probably – the top two players on that team. They've been really impressive. Yeah, no, Tobias Harris is uh, – you're not the team to finish product for the Nets. Completely agree. Watch out for Andre Drummond within the coming weeks. I think that's the number one guy they're looking at to be bought out. But 
focusing back in on Philly, uh, yeah, Joel Embiid's playing like an MVP. You know, he'll be there in the top five consideration at the end of the year. Uh, Tobias Harris is averaging 20 points a game. Ben Pimmons is a walking triple-double. And they got shooters too, guys. You know, the addition of Seth Curry was probably one of the most underrated offseason acquisitions. He's been fantastic for them. I know that he missed some time due to COVID, but in the games that he has played, he's averaging around 14 points per game, shooting 50% from the three-point line, which is insanity. He's 100% free throw-wise still. And Danny Green, too, was another decent acquisition. Um, Steve wants J.J. Redick back. J.J. Redick back to Philly, a reunion. I mean, I don't might, know why they got rid of him. He, they didn't get rid of him. He didn't want to come back because he didn't want to play for Brett Brown. Uh, Brett Brown. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Maybe with Doc Rivers. I mean, he also played for Doc he Rivers. Played for Doc Rivers. Maybe that'll be an intriguing move for uh, the Pelicans to potentially trade him over there. And now the Knicks. The the Knicks are nine and thirteen. <sighs> Sunday, they lose to the Clippers. The Clippers are sixteen and five. Uh, the Knicks lost the game by 14 points. It, the Knicks showed a lot of fight in this game, but the Clippers' starter shot 66% from the field. That was the problem. Uh, Julius Randle was good, had 27-12. and 12. R.J. Barrett with 23 points. But the story right now for the Knicks, and I know 9-13 and 13 isn't great, but that's a pretty good record if you're the Knicks, considering what they've been in recent years. Emmanuel quickly had 25 points. With the James Harden buzz, Kevin Durant playing in a Brooklyn uniform now, and Kyrie Irving, Emmanuel quickly is the hottest name in New York basketball right now. Uh, he's averaging 12 and a half points a game in just under 20 minutes. And, uh, you know, he was really good at Kentucky last year, averaged 16 a game for them. Why is Emmanuel quickly the name in New York right now? And who is Emmanuel quickly? Emmanuel quickly has been. Probably, if you were to say it at this point in time, has probably been the steal of the draft so far uh, this year. It was the 25th overall pick, I believe, by the Knicks. I think he's going to be their starting point guard. It's only a matter of time before they move him into that starting five. I think he's shown that he can do that. They lost to Chicago last night as well, but in 30 minutes off the bench, he put up 16, 6, and 7. So it just shows the type of versatility that he is as a player as well, that not only can he shoot three, because that was the stigma against him in Kentucky when he was drafted, is that he was only a three-point shooter, but being able to rebound the ball, being able to be a floor general, seven assists for him as well, uh, working within this offense with main players like R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle. Yeah. He's been excellent. You know, the New York name that everybody was supposed to look out for was Obi Toppin, but it's been mm-hmm. Emmanuel quickly this year. It's been Emmanuel quickly. He's been fantastic for them and a, a big contributor to the reason why they've won as many games as they've had so early. Absolutely. Uh, James – it, there's been a lot of buzz around New York basketball right now, and the Knicks all of a sudden are, are a respectable team again. What exactly do you attribute this to? Because there's no fans in the stands. So it just seems like the Tom Thibodeau effect, that defensive juggernaut that he had in all of his years coaching Chicago, has translated over to the Knicks. I mean, they, they signed Taj Gibson back. Do you think the defense is kind of what's sparking the Knicks right now, or do you think it's a combination of things? I think it's a combination of both, a new head coach and also the, that defense. It's made Nick fans, even though they're 9-13 and 13 right now, um, they still got a long road ahead of them. Yes, there's no fans in the stands, um, which 
it's probably unfortunate for some of these Knicks fans, considering on how well some nights the, the Knicks are playing, um, that they would probably love to be there cheering on their team. Um, I think it, it it's a bright future for the Knicks because they're all young guys. We have to remember that. So most of the team's young, so they they're going they're going to go through some growing pains, which every team goes through. Um, but I think between a new head coach, the defense playing pretty well, and keeping very competitive with a lot of these good teams that in years past, you would hear them playing some of these great teams and good teams, and they weren't able to keep up with them either on defense or offense. Um, but by seeing what the Knicks are able to do right now, 9-13, and 13, um, not that I'm going to, not that I'm saying they're going to hit 500, but they're going to be close. Next year is going to be even better. Also, what it is with the Knicks is we heard Brooklyn Nets in the news for so long. James Harden, they got the big three, yada, yada, yada. But they haven't been winning. They haven't put streaks of wins together. They haven't gone, at least from my knowledge, they haven't gone on like a week streak of wins. Yeah. Meanwhile, the Knicks aren't doing that, but they're making noise in other ways. They're making noise in a quieter way that it's – and for Knicks fans, it's getting them hopeful that they can look forward to something come later this year, next year, and years to follow. I like that analysis. Now, they did lose again uh, last night. This was not a good loss. They lost to the Bulls 110-102. to uh, Randall was really good again. He's been the go-to player for the Knicks. 23 points, 11 boards, 7 assists for the big guy. He's been kind of like a point forward for the Knicks. <laughs> In a sense. I don't know how I feel about that, but uh, hey, if you're helping your team out in any way you can, that's all that matters. And uh, Alec Burks finally showing up 18 points quickly again, 16 and seven, six rebounds. Can't say enough. And, you know, we kind of talk about how Tom Thibodeau is not the biggest fan of rookies. We've seen that throughout his career. It took Butler a couple of years to, you know, become a starter and you know, quickly, I mean, I, I think eventually he's going to be pushing Tom's buttons. He could be the next big star in this league that no nobody expects to blossom into one. Uh, speaking of rookies, though, Obi Toppin only played eight and a half minutes in this game. Uh, do we see this as a continuing trend, or do we think Toppin could eventually become a consistent scorer off the bench and earn his way back into the starting lineup? I mean, he has to. He has to for, you know, his own sake because we know the mantra with Todd and Thibodeau. He's going to, and I said in the beginning of the season, he was going to put the best lineup out there, and it just so happens to be that, you know, some of these young guys are developing. But, again, most of the starting lineups have been guys that have been around the league and that have played. Toppin is going to have to earn his playing time, and where he's going to have to earn it is he's going to have to do it offensively. Because at Dayton, he was an offensive player. He's really, really bad at defense, and we're seeing that as well here. He can't defend. Um, but he needs to up his game offensively. He's shooting 42% from the field, 26% from three, pretty terrible. And then 77% um, free throw line, which isn't bad for a rookie, but in 12 and a half minutes, I don't know how much he could really do scoring wise, but he needs to up it up defensively, maybe to earn some more minutes to get some more floor time, but offensively has not been great. And that's probably one of the, it's probably one of the bigger reasons why they drafted him to begin with, because of he was, wasn't he the, the college leader and scorer scoring last year or something like that. Yes, I believe he led, all, he led all college players in scoring and points per game. So him not translating to the NBA necessarily. I know he's been hurt, but the four points per game is not, you know, what they drafted at that eighth overall pick. And what's even crazy to put into perspective folks is 
if we had an NCAA tournament last year, Obi Toppin very well might not be a Nick right now. Nope. Think about that for a second. Yeah. Do you really think Obi Toppin slides to number eight if there was a tournament last year? That's why the cancellation of the tournament stunk for Dayton fans because they wanted to see Toppin and see how far those kids can go. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to get that opportunity this year. They're, they're, they're not even ranked. Nope. nope. So it definitely stunk to see that a comment from Sal. I've watched the Knicks, and they have some rising stock players for sure. What I've noticed in some teams in the league aren't taking them seriously, and the Knicks are winning those games. Another thing that I think with the Knicks, and I don't want to think negatively, but I feel like you know Julius Randle's at the end of his contract. Maybe he's looking to get traded, you know, boost up his play a little bit. It, it's always interesting to see, you know, and I don't believe in coincidence all the time, but for some, why do athletes always play at their best possible, you know, the best possibility, their best play when they're up for a new contract or, or they're looking to get traded. It, it happens too often to to not be a coincidence, but I could see Julius Randle potentially being a piece they move, you know, if they're not going to get a verbal commitment from him because I think that he is a free agent come this offseason. And granted, he's going to demand some big money because he's putting up some he's putting up some all-star numbers. He could be an all-star in this Eastern Conference. I think he, there's a good possibility with the numbers he's putting up. So we'll see what happens with that. But R.J. Barrett's improved. Emmanuel quickly is great. Mitchell Robinson's developing a little bit. So they got a bright future, I think. Randall would be a first-time All-Star as well. Yeah. Paul Lombardi mentioned that on the 3 and D podcast last night, which airs on our uh, network Mondays at 6 p.m. here at Review and Preview Sports. Make sure to go check that out next Monday. Uh, he said that Randall could potentially be a first-time All-Star. He's one of those guys that are developing him. <laughs> A guy like Jeremy Grant as well, who's impressed. Um, you know, he kind of took more money to play for a lesser team in Detroit. But back to the Knicks for a second. They have a chance to redeem themselves tomorrow night. They're at the Bulls again, coming off back-to-back losses. Uh, what a way to start your week. A loss on Sunday and then Monday. And giving up 30 points to Laurie Markkinen is never good. So I think the key for them tomorrow night is to contain Laurie Markkinen and limit Zach Levine's outside perimeter shooting. I think those are the two keys for the Knicks, uh, you know, have an identity defensively and see if guys like Barrett, Randall, maybe even quickly can make you enough plays to win that game against Chicago because Chicago is a team that's improved. Uh, you know, I was, I'm really surprised what they've been able to do. The emergence of Patrick Williams, you know, he's been decent for them and uh, Kobe white as well. Now in his second year, he's been a guy to look out for, um, I don't know. I mean, I think the Bulls might win again tomorrow night. I mean, they have a good chance to because the Knicks, they just – I don't know what's happened to them defensively. For so long, they were holding teams to around 100 points per game. And then, again, Chicago giving up 110 points to them is not necessarily good, but they do have the offensive weapons to do so in Zach Levine. But to Markkinen is interesting because I didn't I didn't watch the game, but who would they essentially match up on Markkinen? Would it be a guy in Julius Randle or do they put – uh, a guy in Mitchell Robinson who's is athletic and might yeah. be a better defense against that, but Markin is another big guy that can move with the ball and shoot from beyond the perimeter. So that's also going to be an interesting matchup as well, I think, if that is the case scenario. Because, again, in this lineup for the Bulls, I don't know if they have a traditional center. I think he does essentially play the five, even though he doesn't really play the five. Randall Carter Jr. plays the five, maybe? I don't think he played last night. No, he no. didn't play. So I don't, I don't know in that lineup. 
But yeah, the Bulls are an interesting team to keep an eye on, folks, with those uh, 10 teams that will qualify for at least playoff play-in games this year. That should be interesting. And then Saturday, the Knicks will host the Portland Trailblazers, a coming-home party for our good buddy Travis Demers. That should be a lot of fun. Um, I don't know if he's working virtually or not, but that should be an interesting game. Portland, obviously, without Joseph Nurkic, that's a big loss for them. And Zach Collins still out as well. Those two big boys can't stay healthy. Uh, thing one and thing two, as you like to say, they uh, they definitely have a lot of fun on the bench. They need to have more fun on the court, though. Uh, that has potential to be such a good front court, but every year something just goes wrong. Yep. But at least they have Enos Cantor back. He's he's decent um, at scoring at, at least. And um, I don't know who their four is. I know they have Carmelo. Probably, I think the Seer Little has been playing the four for them, or Robert Covington. Yeah, Covington. Little Covington, Dame CJ, and Cantor has been there five. Yeah. And then Rodney Hood off the bench, uh, Gary Trent, and Murphy Simons. So, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. Uh, any other stuff on NBA? I mean, I think that's pretty much all I've got. I think I've been really impressed with the Utah. I know Paul talks about this on his show, so I don't want to mm-hmm. go too, too into depth. But, um, you know, I think right now the NBA is up for grabs this, for grabs this year. Again, I think Utah is very interesting to see what they put together. They're a team defined by chemistry because they've been together for a long time. Not a lot of moving pieces really over the last couple of years. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Clarkson, I think, is going to win six man of the year. But to see them winning as many games as they are with not really – I don't want to say not having a star, but but you know what I mean, like a, like a really legitimate number – even though I love Donovan Mitchell, like a legitimate guy – because they're, they're number one in the West right now, I think, or it might be the Clippers. I know the Lakers fell down to number three, but Utah for a while in the West was right at the top of the league. And it was really surprising because Rudy Gobert started off not playing great. Donna Mitchell as well couldn't shoot the basketball, but they slowly crawled back, and here they are. Number, number two right now in the Western Conference. Tied for two with the Lakers. They're both half a game back of the Clippers. Yep. And then Memphis is the four. Interesting. Well, they, they haven't played, a, they just played a lot of games, though, because they, they had that whole week off of postponement. But they've won seven straight. That's a team to keep an eye on. That's an, And they're getting Jaron Jackson back as well, so that'll be interesting. And Denver's starting to play better, too, and so is Houston. They've both been playing better. Yeah, Jokic is playing like an MVP. He is. That he is. But, uh, all right, so let's transition to hockey. Uh, James, you know what? I actually want to start with your Islanders tonight before we get to my Rangers, you and Kyle's Islanders. Um, Okay. On Sunday, the Flyers, who they're pretty much like the best team in the East right now, uh, 7-2-1. They beat the Isles 4-3 in OT. Kevin Hayes had the game-winning goal in overtime, and Joel Farabee had three goals, and the Islanders are coming off a winless road trip. What went wrong in this game, and how did they turn things around tonight against Buffalo? Well, actually, um, we are not playing Buffalo. Yeah, more bad um, news. Yeah, really? we got we got a few days off, I think, which is good for this team. Um, Buffalo had they played New Jersey. At least this is oh, what I've right. understood. They played New Jersey on Sunday. New Jersey had some COVID cases, and they still played. Um, so between the snowstorm. Uh, they were not able to fly into New York. Not sure why they were flying in from New Jersey, but okay. 
um, they were supposed to fly and they got delayed and considered with the protocols, they were unable to get tested and all that, do that wonderful stuff that the NHL does. I don't know exactly what goes into it. They get tested, then they go contract tracing, whatever. Um, so they, at least earlier today, they had 10. Now they have 14 players on the COVID list. So that knocks out today's game against the Sabres, I think. Uh, what's today? Tuesday, I think later this week. They knocked Thursday, it knocks out that game. So we do not know when that games are going to be rescheduled. They will be they will be rescheduled to a later date. NHL or the both organizations have not come out to say that. Um, so we don't have to. Me and Kyle and all of our other hockey Islander hockey fans, like my boy Nick Tox here, um, we do not have to worry about the Islanders playing tonight. Um, but to get, I just wanted to let everybody know that in case they didn't. But time to get back to your question. Um, it was a disgusting road trip. Um, it was horrendous to say the least and the nicest um, that Barry Trotz was probably fuming a decent amount of times. Um, the team just hasn't looked good. Um, I mean, Varley and goal letting up too many goals. Um, I think that they're trying to move a lot of people around, trying to get that correct format. I, I don't know. We've seen this last year with them. They hit skids, um, but with such a short season, it's not good to hit a skid, especially against the Flyers, a g- great team. Kyle? Yeah, what do you have to add? I want to hear your thoughts. Uh, this is all Tom's fault. Uh, if we rewind <laughs> to last week's show, and this Tom true. said, and I quote, uh, the Islanders will win tonight because after a shutout, they tend to score goals. And in the Tuesday game, which was the night we had the show, the Islanders at that point in time had a 2-1 lead. Um, and then Washington would wind up pulling away with it by scoring a goal in the last 20 seconds of the game. And then as we rolled through the rest of these games, the Islander had a 3-0 lead. Mm-hmm. And then Varlamov gave up five goals in a matter of ten nine minutes. Yep. And that game was over. Then we go to Philly. We go into OT, and it was just a bad goal by Varley. You knew the play was coming. It was just a bad, bad look by him. And then we go to Sunday, and Sunday, Matt Barzal takes a terrible, terrible penalty, a high stick, which gets a power play in overtime. Mm -hmm. And they score a goal with, I think, like 20, 30 seconds left in the OT. And that is where they stand right now. So, Kyle, to resolve – to resolve this problem, I think we got to do something. Yeah, we got to play. The, yeah, we got to play. Now the- let's talk about the Islanders since Tom is not here. He's All backstage, right. everybody. Um, no, I'll bring Tom back up here because James, he, is part have- of this show. he is the host. Um, <laughs> go continue, Kyle. James, they have a break. They they have a break right now. Um, they have a break because of obviously, you know, COVID in, in Buffalo right now. Hopefully that will allow them to regain some momentum and get some offense back on the ice. Because again, yep. that's another area in which we've seen uh, struggling to score goals um, and then just struggling to complete. I mean, uh, the thing that the Islanders have had the last couple seasons is solid when the Isles goalie don't win the games, they are average. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, so it's not wrong on, on, on times, on times. Uh, sometimes I think Sorokin should have won the game the other night. Varley yeah. with the exception of that, 
game against Washington has been pretty good this season. He's been decent with the exception of that game. His save percentage is great. I think he only allows two goals per game. And, again, mostly boosted up because of that one game against Washington where he gave up six. Um, But I think the goaltending is fine. They just got to find the spark plug on offense for them to really uh, flourish. They also got to get a little uh, more discipline hockey-wise. You cannot be taking late penalties, especially in an OT situation where it's already a three-on-three situation. You get caught with a high stick with 30 seconds left before it goes to a shootout with the Islanders are notoriously good for being at. They're good in shootouts. Um, and they lose an OT in that game. That was heartbreaking, especially because you want to see Sorokin win his first win because he doesn't even have a win yet. Um, exactly. But like James, you said, it, it was not a good road trip. They managed to scrap together two points from the uh, two overtimes that they went to against Philadelphia. Uh, hopefully they can regain some, some momentum being off now because they don't play again till Saturday. 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 So they have basically almost an entire week off, essentially. So hopefully they're able to regain some offensive uh, momentum and maybe some goalie play as well and maybe see them get back on track. Because as you alluded to, James, in a short season like this, you can't really afford to go on losing streaks like this. No, especially considering you're only playing your division. Yeah, You're not playing across the country like you were last season and prior seasons where points yeah. are crucial. For yeah. any team, your Rangers, Tom, for our Islanders, for any team in the NHL, the points are crucial this season. Yeah, no, I agree. The Islanders are an interesting uh, team. Saturday, big game against the Penguins, and yes. they're sitting at 3-4-2. and two. Now, that doesn't seem like much, but that's nine games in you know, a, a shorter season, right? Isn't it like uh, 56 games? It's 56 games, yeah. So – that's, you know, you're approaching one-seventh of the season already. So uh, you got you to gotta start winning some for sure. Um, yeah. yeah. But moving on to the Rangers, they are also 3-4-2. and two. They placed defenseman Tony D'Angelo on waivers Sunday. He will not be a Ranger. Um, this just months after his contract extension, I feel like, Teams in New York are notorious for giving players contract extensions and then dealing them off afterwards or uh, getting rid of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just – I don't know what you guys think about Tony D'Angelo or maybe Hank has something to say in the comments section about it, but I just – I don't think it's meant to be. With – again, the Rangers, the reason why they signed him back, well, one, I mean, how can you avoid, you know, signing back a guy that – even though he was not really great defensively last year either, how can you not resign a guy that was responsible for 53 of your points last season? You know, that I think I'm almost positive that led all defensemen for the Rangers last year. Uh, now that Tony D is gone, maybe the team will have less drama. Why is Libor high on the, yeah, yeah, on that list. Yes. Uh, I think he's on the taxi squad right now, Sal. They'll probably be bringing him up potentially as a replacement, uh, especially because Jack Johnson either is not, has not been great this season at all either. So that'll be potentially a guy that they bring up to fill a defensive role. But Tony D'Angelo, apparently what went down, um, I know the DeAndre Miller stuff, that was not real. Crowder never punched anybody. What happened was like essentially in that game two of the season, uh, Tony D'Angelo got benched and he was just really never able to get over that. And then it all kind of blew up on, uh, what was it, Saturday or Friday when they lost the game late. Uh, mm-hmm. Gorgiev, uh, Gorgiev gave up a goal late, uh, miscommunication between the two. 
But, I mean, it seemed like every time Tony D'Angelo was on the ice, they were giving up goals. I think he was on the ice for all four of those goals in that game. Um, so they had to they had to get rid of him. Again, I'm hearing talks now that the trading possibility is heating up right now. But, I, again, I don't know any team that's going to want to eat that cap because $4.5 million in hockey is a lot, um, especially for a defenseman that is not good defensively and is struggling to put up points this season in a Rangers uniform where the Rangers have a plethora of different offensive weapons at their disposal where he should be succeeding off of that, and he just hasn't. So I don't know really what they could get back. They might have to take a cap hit potentially. Uh, They might have to give up some assets in that trade to get rid of him because not only is he not performing, not only does he have a decent amount of cap on his hands, but he's also a guy that has an attitude problem too. I mean, getting in your face, getting in the face of your goaltender. Meanwhile, you were on the ice for four of the goals that were given up in that game. So. Uh, Hank's comment, yeah, real shame that things escalated the way it did. He was our highest scoring defenseman, and, and the contract definitely made sense. Unfortunately, when a guy doesn't produce and there's baggage attached, that's what happens. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rangers need to commit to one goalie for uh, three quarters of the games. Yep. Yeah. That sounds about right. So it's going to be interesting to observe. I mean, look. Uh, you know, I got to say, last night they looked good. They beat the Penguins 3 uh, 0. Two third period goals uh, coming from Chris Kreider and uh, Panarin, Redman. Uh, that, those are pretty much the Rangers' two best scorers, in my opinion. Kreider and Panarin. I think those are our two top players at the moment. Um, and then Keandre Miller has been emerging. 21 year old rookie who has four points in his first eight games in. Uh, the NHL. What do you guys think of Miller? He he seems to be a really good kid. He's been phenomenal for you guys. And apparently, uh, and again, I don't know the Rangers farm system, but they have some other defensemen that they plan on bringing up next year as well to really solidify that youthful defense that they have uh, led by Truba. Cause he's probably, he's definitely your most experienced defenseman at this point in time, maybe Brendan Smith, but he doesn't really play that much either. Um, but yeah, the, the, he's a really, really, really great defenseman. He's, he has impressed. He's when they matched up against in Pittsburgh, uh, defending Sidney Crosby and Malkin the way he did was absolutely incredible for a guy who hasn't even played 10 games yet. Yeah. Um, so he's been phenomenal so far. Uh, yeah. Hank alluded to it. Uh, Sal alluded to it as well. Nils Lundqvist next year. That's the, that's another top defenseman that they have on the way. It was going to solidify that defense as well. You, Hank, you know, they got Fox in there as well. Who's been decent this year. Keandre Miller, um, and then adding uh, a guy in Lindquist who's potentially another great defender who the Rangers have in the farm system uh, that could really solidify that for them as well as the vet and Truba. But again, you know, the, uh, it, it may not be the year that they're going to figure it out this year again, like James alluded to with the Islanders in a division where you're only playing the same teams. It, it's so hard to gain traction back, even though they're only, I think they're both only five points behind the top yeah. number one seed. Yeah. Right. It's going to be so hard based on the fact that they only play the same teams as each other. Definitely a tough division. And Sal brings up a comment. Remember Mika has yet to catch fire. Yeah. 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 Um, he, he's another guy too, who was getting hot towards the end of the regular season last year before the pandemic. Um, Ryan, Lindgren, Lindgren, Ryan, yeah, Ryan Lindgren as well, defensively. Yep. He's another one. Yeah. Yep. But it's going to be an uphill battle Thursday. We have to play the caps best record uh in the east so i believe it's a bad, game, 
Philly. Yep. So it will will be a good game. And then uh, Saturday we're supposed to play the Devils, but all games are postponed through at least Saturday for them. I heard Kyle. I don't know if it was you, Kyle, said like potentially the fifteenth. It could go that long. Mm, I, no, I don't think I said that. No. I didn't even know that the Rangers were facing a postponement of games either. I had no idea about that. No, 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 because no, they're playing New Jersey, so they won't play New Jersey now since they're in. Gotcha. So because they're in, uh, yeah. they're in quarantine. Mm-hmm. No, I had no idea. No. Well, it depends. If you guys play them Saturday, I think it depends on what kind of results they get back from the Devils. Yeah. Um, with the cases, um, I mean, you got a few extra days off depending on how you played the Caps. Which, which isn't always bad because the Capitals play very hard considering they're getting probably the great eight back along with a slew of other players. Yeah. So. What stinks too, this is the best division in hockey in my yeah. opinion. Everyone is competitive in this division. Even New Jersey is competitive this year. They're 4-3-2. and two. I mean, you look at this division, you have Philadelphia and Washington who are tied uh, points-wise at least. And then you have Boston who hasn't played – enough games yet to qualify, but their, their record is technically, uh, they have a higher winning percentage. And then Pittsburgh, New Jersey, Buffalo, Islanders, Rangers. I don't know if Buffalo and New Jersey are going to hang on to those spots. I think both New York teams could potentially leapfrog them. And then Pittsburgh has proven to be kind of fraudulent as well. So there's still a good chance for the Rangers and Islanders to jump a couple of spots, climb the ladder in that division. So I wouldn't lose hope just yet. And none of those teams are playing bad either. So it'll be fun to see where these teams are at at this time next week for sure. So, Oh, yeah. But um, All right. So with that being said, we are going to uh, move on to our last segment of the evening, and it is the New York Mets. Um, And we'll also bring up a little – um, update on the Yankees after, but um, strictly the Mets because they're the New York team. There's been a lot of news buzzing around the Mets organization uh, over this past week, uh, and this just happened yesterday. The Mets acquired right-hand pitcher Jordan Yamamoto from the Miami Marlins for a minor league infielder in Federico Polanco. Thoughts on this move? I think it was an excellent move because you got an arm and – you gave up a guy who was not even a top 30 prospect to get that arm and it adds depth to the rotation. This guy may not be a starter, but at worst, he's a long relief guy who can be like a spot starter, sixth guy. I I like it. I don't know. I I looked into this a little bit and in terms of the trade, uh, I don't know how much they valued Polanco, but, Yamamoto, and I could be wrong with this, but I'm almost positive I'm not. Didn't he had like an 18 ERA last year, right? He had last something. Year. He had something uh, atrocious. Um, and granted, that was also in a shortened season. And I don't know how many innings he necessarily pitched uh, for the Marlins, but could he be a guy? I, I don't even know because you guys actually have with the Mets right now. You have a solid starting rotation. Your bullpen is, I think, pretty good. Maybe one more piece. I mean, I know you guys signed somebody last week, I want to say, uh, a bullpen arm. Luke. Um, Aaron Luke. Luke. Aaron Luke. But, uh, I, I mean, maybe uh, Sal says solid move for a triple-A. Uh, yeah, first call up. Yeah, potentially. I, I agree. I, I don't think he's a starter. I, I don't no. think he's a starter. No. I don't think he's going to be on the opening day roster. But, uh, you know, maybe to strengthen their uh, 
pitching rotation a little bit. We saw that with the Steven Matz trade. They got three pitching ass, uh, prospects in there as well. Reed so, Foley. Yeah, yeah, trying to trying to strengthen that position again. So, you know, good trade from that stance. But, I mean, his play-wise was really bad last year. So I don't know if he's going to be able to make this team. He wasn't good last year, but for a non-top 30 prospect, I think it's a decent move. Uh, I know the Mets are still in talks with Trevor Bauer, Jake Odorizzi. Uh, I don't know if the Mets are necessarily done yet. Uh, obviously, an outfielder is needed as well. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what he does. James, what do you what do you think of this move? I mean, it adds bullpen help. Yeah. Um, and as a long reliever, uh, I, I kind of say this almost every week when we add a uh, arm to our uh, rotation, in a sense. Um, us Met fans know it's harder to see our sometimes starting pitchers go more than two innings some games. Um, so to, I'm not lying. We've seen too many of those games. I think by trading Steven Matz, it'll make our – it won't happen as often, but there will be a, there will be times. Yeah. Um, I think it's also going to help us down the line because a, another arm in the bullpen is always helpful, yeah. especially with us. Met Met just getting hurt in the bullpen too often or getting overused. Um, I mean, he's in, he won't be on our opening day ro- roster, but I think if somebody does get hurt longer than a week or so, again, I don't know what's going to be like because COVID's still going to be a thing when the season starts, so I don't know if it's going to be an expanded. I don't know how um, how easy it's going to be to bring up and down players. Um, so he's always. I feel like it's a good option um, as long as he doesn't have an 18 ERA with us. Because if he yeah. does, then that's well, that, that 18 ERA came. Sal just said it only pitched 11 and one third innings last year. So yeah. that's a small sample size. And yeah. then in 2019, he went four and five, four point four six. ERA and then, uh, yeah, and look, the Mets bullpen wise are pretty loaded. Now they signed Aaron Loop, left a lefty they they needed worth three million. Uh, Thirty three years old, had a two point five two ERA last year, uh, twenty two strikeouts over twenty five innings pitched, and he's our lefty specialist. Lefties did not hit well against him last year, only two twelve. Um, the Mets also signed uh, Trevor May back in November on a two-year deal worth $15 million. And how improved is this Mets bullpen? Because the Mets finished 18th in MLB bullpen ERA last year, and it seems like they've really improved who they have. I mean, they have Edwin Diaz and Dylan Batances. Those are the big two. And then, I mean, you still have Familia, who I'm not a fan of. You have Seth Lugo, who, in my opinion, is the best one. You have Trevor May. You have Aaron Loop. You have Robert Giselman. Um, Nick Williams. I don't, I don't know if he's going to make, but you know, the, the Mets have guys. I mean, James, you want to go first, or you want me to go? So they probably crack top ten at some point during the season in bullpen. Um, I, I don't know when they crack it, but they might just fall short of it, like fifteen from fifteen to ten. They may crack top ten at least once or twice. Yeah, with the exception of, you know, Trevor May and, and Luke, this is essentially the same bullpen. And I would have said last season I thought they would have been a top 10 bullpen. It's just a matter of, you know, I don't want to say the stars aligning, but everything, you know, panning out the way it's supposed to. You have Edwin Diaz, a guy just, what, two, three years ago had 72 saves for the Seattle Mariners. And then, 
You know, last two seasons for the Mets have not been great. The second half of last season, he was better, but he's blown a lot of games in the beginning of last season as well. Um, you know, Dylan Batances wasn't good either. Uh, Familia, you know, we never understood that contract when Brody Van Wagenen, after trading him, signed him back to a three-year deal. Sal's saying my money is on the Mets trying to move Familia. I would agree, but I know he's making like $10 million a year, so I don't know who's necessarily going to want a guy that's making that much that blows games. Um, we'll see. We'll see. I think that they can crack top 10, but Edwin Diaz is going to have to play up to that second-half standard that he did last year. Adelon Patances, you know, we saw him in his Yankee day and age. He yeah, one year left on Familia, $10 million. Uh, Patances has to get back to that same stance. I, I love – I love the Trevor May signing. Aaron Loop is another under-the-radar guy. I think they brought him over from Tampa. Uh, I think that's a guy who can potentially – I mean, you guys would know better. Obviously, this is your guys' bullpen. Where would a guy in Trevor May potentially come in uh, necessarily inning-wise? Because, again, you guys have starters that can go deep. So how does this bullpen rotation look, let's say, if you have Stroman that gives you six innings? Because DeGrom, you know, can give you seven. And then the the eighth and ninth will be like a deta- – uh, Batanzas, Familia, uh, Diaz punch. But like, would a guy like Stroman or maybe a Carrasco that only go 5-6, what does your rotation then look like coming out of the bullpen? So let's just say a starter goes five innings. I would definitely say um, May, either Familia or Batanzas, and then to finish it up with Diaz. I think those are the four. Oh, wow. um, you're, you're looking at this Mets roster right now, and then when I look at the bullpen um, – Ideally, that's the line. But, of course, there's situational instances where you're going to use other guys. Other guys are going to be brought in. Uh, also, don't forget about Seth Lugo. Seth Lugo probably is that eighth inning guy, the the bridge that you want to get to Diaz, right? So, actually, let me correct myself. May in the sixth inning, either Batantis or Familia in the seventh, Lugo in the eighth, and then Diaz in the ninth. But last year, a lot of times they do Diaz in the eighth, Lugo in the ninth. Yeah, but um, yeah, I I think that is that that is the core four. Yep, hundred percent. And Drew Smith, who is probably coming back from Tommy John surgery, that's another guy we didn't even bring up. Uh, there's a lot of guys in this bullpen. That, you know, they they have a lot of arms. They they might be trying to deal one or two of these arms in a, a trade. So we don't know how it's going to look come April. It's, we're not really close yet we, we still have another month before we can start talking about and saying oh like um you know I'm, I'm really confident with the way the bullpen is looking or you know i think uh they could use some improvements here or there yeah no absolutely no doubt and again like you said tom earlier they you know you don't know what's you know what what steve cohen or alderson plan on doing because again there's still a lot of decent guys left out there especially starting pitching wise so definitely will be interesting and speaking of the Mets, former Met manager Mickey Callaway, now Angels pitching coach, uh, has uh, been accused of allegations with five different women. Um, just when you thought it couldn't get worse, the, the worst happens. And um, apparently, I, I don't know what the extent of it is, but um, again, this is just not a good look for Mickey Callaway. And uh, the Angels, who they did suspend him, yeah. uh, I, I don't think they'll be releasing him. This isn't 
near as bad as Jared Porter's situation. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like it's going to be because it's an indefinite suspension, which means that it'll most likely lead to a release with a little bit of investigating. But again, mm-hmm. I, I didn't read into it that much, but I'm pretty sure these happened when he was the manager of the Mets. I don't think these happened when uh, he's with the Angels. I saw something that it said it happened in 2018. So that was when he was with the team. Here's the team. And, and it looks really bad on behalf of uh, – you know, uh, again, you guys know better than I would, but was, wasn't was all this in there in 2018? Um, I don't think he was, actually. Uh, no. I can, I can double check. Because it, 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 it just looks really bad if, you know, first Porter and now he was, Calloway. Uh, okay, so Alderson was there in 18. He wasn't here in 19. It looks really bad that two of his hires are – you know, gone this way because it makes it makes them look like they don't they're not digging enough into their, you know, observation. And obviously, listen, this is this is stuff that you wouldn't discover unless it came out. You know, these are private text messages until somebody released them. But it, it just does not look good in, in terms of investigating reporting that this is now only what this is two inc- incidences uh, incidents in a matter of three weeks um, with former Mets, you know, managers and. Well- uh, GM, it, just, it hasn't just happened with the Mets. It happened with uh, Cleveland before the Mets as well. Did yeah. it happen with Cleveland? Yeah. It happened with Callaway and Cleveland? It, it ha- said- Apparently it's happened with the, the last three teams he's been with. I just knew that it happened in 18. And I knew he was the manager with the Mets at the time. Well, I, I didn't know about Indy. I've been hearing reports. and um, Sal makes a point. You know, then in 2018, if nobody shares anything – you know, no matter how much digging you do, yeah. it wasn't that the year uh, Alderson wasn't like fully GM because he was going through treatment. It was that year, a year after. No, no, he was still there because then they hired Brody after that. I think okay. he was still there. Uh, Sal says start in Cleveland again. Um, you know, even if it started in Cleveland, that kind of you know, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to make it look worse, but again, that's even worse because you hired this guy and. You know what happened in a previous situation. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, not a good look. Let's get to some lighter news, though. Some uh, good news. Well, maybe not some good news, but better news. Daniel Murphy retires from the MLB after 12 seasons. The three-time All-Star played for the Mets from 2018 to 2015. Mm-hmm. Most notably remembered for his 2015 postseason where he hit seven home runs in the playoffs and won the NLCS MVP. Um, excellent ball player. Started his career in the outfield. Wasn't the best fit there. Moved him to second base. Uh, kind of made a home there. Played a little first as well. But James, talk to me about Daniel Murphy. He, he was definitely one of my favorites throughout the years. He was uh, – so at times there was games, there were seasons that I did not like him the way he swung the bat. Um, and then we got a new batting coach throughout the seasons. When he was here, he improved himself. He was a guy that once he figured it out, he was like an old reliable player. He wasn't always for the power. He was more of the contact player which is great because sometimes you need that within the game. Um, I, It was hard to see him leave the Mets um, when he did just because of how great of a run he had to bring us pretty much carried 
us on his back for some of those series, especially in the at, at, uh, Chicago against the Cubs, man. Hitting the those Dodgers home runs series. all the time. The Dodgers, so, too. That's what it was insane, The Dodgers, man. too. So leading up was phenomenal. See him go was unfortunate, especially to arrive at one point. Um, he played a phenomenal career. He was a great guy. Um, I like seeing him on the field as he grew within the organization, as he grew up, in a sense. Um, to think about it, seeing him ending his career after 12 years, I guess that's almost about average in, in a way. Um, it's unfortunate. I would love to, I would have loved to keep him on the Mets. Um, but I know money and everything else goes a different way. Um, but happy for him. Hopefully the future for him, his family and everybody else, uh, heads in a great direction and he continues somewhat in the baseball realm. Now I know the Mets don't necessarily retire a lot of numbers, but do you think, do you consider him to be like a Mets legend or, or a guy that you could potentially make an argument for? I mean, you could always make an argument, but I don't think they're retiring his number. Uh, I just don't think he was like a staple. He wasn't a guy yeah. you thought of as like the guy. You know, I think when you think of Mets legends, and I, I think of like numbers, you could potentially, I mean, you could think of David Wright, Mike Piazza, Jose Reyes, like modern players like those. Yeah. Absolutely. Right now, Jacob DeGrom is probably that guy. I don't yeah. see any other player currently as. Um, I don't even think you, you'd consider Syndergaard right no. now. He's still no. uh, but Murphy got out to a very slow start in his career. Again, he wouldn't hit for any home runs a year. It wasn't until he got to Washington where he started to hit uh, home runs. He only hit about five. He, he would average anywhere between like six to 12 home runs yeah. a season. That's pretty much all he was good for. And then in 2015, he hit 14, which was a career high. And then that momentum, it, translated into the playoffs but you got a good bat from him you got rbis from him and he kept the line moving you remember he was an all-star in 2014 for us he was he only had nine home runs 57 rbis it was the way he hit yeah with his bat he'd always hit around 290 300 every single year his lowest batting average with us was 266 and that came in 09 yeah his first full season so I love Daniel Murphy, but a Mets legend? No. Yeah, I didn't think so, but I, you know, I saw some people arguing about it, and, and to just, you know, obviously get your guys' perspective. Just yeah. not only because you're Mets fans, but you're older than me, so you, you guys got to watch him kind of, you know, develop as a player yeah. rather than me, where you know, not really. So, and um, yeah, he'll always be remembered as a great Mets player and a great Mets player in that. Uh, 2015 playoff run. Yep. Appreciate him and all he's done for the Mets organization. But Kyle, I want to get to you here. Your Yankees made a move this past week. They signed Darren O'Day, former Met, by the way. Uh, well, what What do you think? How does he fit in your Yankee bullpen? I mean, really, the only knock against this guy is that he's going to be 38 years old. Otherwise, I mean, he's he's quietly been unbelievable. He's quietly been unbelievable in his career. 13 years in the league. Uh, six of those years, he's had a below two ERA. Uh, last year, he was four and zero with Atlanta. Um, had a one point one ERA. He appeared in nineteen games, sixteen innings pitched. So a great bullpen guy. And then, even some of his earlier days, where you look at 
a season like in 2015 where he was with the Baltimore Orioles, a 1-5-2 ERA and 68 games played. This guy can pitch. He's been great for a long time. Now, again, age does play a factor. Will he be able to be that guy? Um, because essentially I would have to imagine that because the Yankees' bullpen right now is diminished. You lost Tommy Canely. Um, Chad Green is still there. Uh, I'm trying to think. I mean, uh, to be honest, I think Darren O'Day could potentially be the eighth inning guy at this point in time. And Chapman you have is the closer, obviously. Um, but that might be the outlook. He might be a seventh, eighth inning guy, potentially, just based on his ERA, what he's been able to do. Hopefully it pans out for the Yankees. Again, another low-risk, high-reward type of signing. Again, the only risk I've really seen is that he's 38 years old. That's it. But otherwise, a great player. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. I think he'll be a decent arm for you guys. But uh, anything else you guys want to add tonight before we uh, sign off? Chris, show. Real quick, real quick. Does O'Day make up for Adovino? I say no. I, I don't say so either. I don't, I don't say so either, Sal. I know Adovino is turning 35. Uh, Darren Day is turning 38. So Darren O'Day. Is turning 30, 38, but again, age I think is going to play a factor. But if you look at the last couple seasons, Darren O'Day has you know been a better pitcher, except for that one year, uh, the first year that Ottavino signed with the Yankees. That's when he was just immaculate. He was unbelievable. I think he had a below one ERA. He was phenomenal. But after that, it really he wasn't that. Again, I was never a fan of the Ottavino uh, trading, but again, it was a cap dump, and you know that's what teams had to do because they weren't able to make money this season. Absolutely. Kyle, James, thank you both for joining tonight. It's been a a pleasure, a lot of fun, great quarterback carousel, Mets talk, NBA, NHL, all that good stuff. And uh, looking forward to Sunday. It should be a really, really good show. Make sure to tune in Sunday at 10 for our Super Bowl pregame show. It's going to be a lot of fun. Love the whole group. Yeah, look forward to it. Look forward to it. All right, on behalf of James Montefusco, Kyle Russo, Tom Scavetta here saying so long. You've been watching Review and Preview here on Facebook Live. Have a good night.